this episode of What's the Hazard is being brought to you by these incredibly generous true believers in workplace safety and health. And I am truly grateful for their support. Custom Concrete Specialists, CCS Group, and Cheyenne Wolford. My buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Jim and all of his consultants. John Falowich and Falowich Construction Services. And our latest sponsor, Building Omaha. Building Omaha is a partnership between the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBEW, and the National Electrical Contractors Association, NECA. They pair highly trained electrical professionals with industry contractors to ensure they're able to serve customers safely and effectively. Building Omaha, the partnership that powers our city. Learn more at buildingomaha.org. Thank you all. We appreciate your support. All right, now let's get into this episode. Uh, This is Doug Fletcher, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? It is, and you can look in this camera right here, man, if you want him to see that pretty face. It is Friday, January 21st. Uh, we're in Omaha, Nebraska. It is eight degrees outside this morning. Uh, damn cold, man. But uh, hey, we're used to it. Um, this is not a political program. We talk about safety, working safely, leadership, things like that. But there, there are times when the injustices are so great that even I have to say something. And I'd be interested in your comments on this, man. And we'll get to the introductions and stuff in a minute. Okay. But snow days. When you and I were kids, um, you would if there was a forecast of snow, we would wait up the night before. We would watch the news to see if they ran our school's name along the bottom of that little strip. If they called a snow day, and that's how you found out about it. You had to watch the news. Right, They'd actually right. announce it. If they called a snow day, you'd stay up late. You'd play. You'd have a great time, and you'd sleep in in the morning. You'd get up and have to shovel the driveway, of course, or at least in my, you know. And then you'd go out and play with your friends in minus 20, four feet of snow all day until they got the streets cleared and you could go back to school. Now, in many schools, they have um, remote learning. I think this is a terrible injustice, man. And I know you're actually affiliated with school districts in your in your uh, home, in your community. Right, right. Is Am I missing something here? No, I, I think a lot of it's changed because of the busing. You know, it's changed a lot. So now the uh, they have to walk the street, to school. The streets you know, and a lot of walk, that stuff. Yeah. But, so, but I had to walk to school, right? Yeah, we I'd, all walked to school, man. You probably ride. walked four or five miles to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uphill both directions. Yeah. I mean, literally. Barefoot. <laughs> Barefoot in the snow. So, yeah. hey, look, I yeah. mean, I just, I was reading an article about this the other day. My wife was a school teacher, and um, I just remember so fondly how much I loved snow days. They were a really big deal. And um, I, I just feel bad for kids. I, I, I don't really feel bad for kids. They have it so damn easy that I shouldn't feel bad for them. But these are the kind of injustices that I feel a need to point major out. Major injustices. <laughs> right. You bring the important topics forward. Man. Exactly. Well, yes. And so <laughs> that brings us to my introductions. My guest today is a good friend of mine, Bryce Wenland, um, Snyder Electric, uh, you strike me as a guy with a pretty fancy title. What's your title? Uh, let's just say safety and environmental manager. <laughs> <Okay>. It's <laughs> it's a rather lengthy and okay. to-do one. But, but it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's kind of a fancy title. You've been doing this a long time with great success, and so you've earned a fancy title. Yeah, about a little over 30 years I've been doing the safety Long time, gig. man. Yeah, taught yeah. school for a while. You did, yeah. in fact. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So back when they had snow days. Yeah, well, we didn't. They didn't give me any snow days, but as a teacher, right? Well, that was one of the things my wife always complained about was it's a snow day, but I still have to go in, right? Right. So teachers don't get the snow day necessarily. Um, 
Well, yeah, 30 years in this profession. We've been we've known each other a long time, back from my OSHA days, um, when I was involved with the VPP a little right, bit, right. and maybe even before then. I don't know if we had the occasion to work when I was an inspector together, but uh, definitely when I was with uh, Compliance Assistance and doing the VPP program, you are involved with the VPP. Schneider Electric has been in the VPP, so you have a... We could talk about your background a little bit. Um, I'm going to, as we both know and have discussed, I talk too much. And everybody <laughs> that has even listened to the show knows I talk too much. So I'm going to do something that I typically don't do, which is I'm going to throw out the question and then I'm going to shut up. Okay. So here, here's the question. Well, tell everybody just a little bit about yourself, just what you would like them to know about you uh, personally or as a professionally. You're a CSP. You're a certified hazard material manager. I mean, you're, you're credentialed. You're, you're accomplished. You've been doing this a long time. So tell them anything that you want to know about your journey or about, you know, being in the safety profession. But my question is about buy-in. And you and I talked about this yesterday. Right. We, we talk about a lot of regulations on this program. We talk about different elements of working safely. Some of them are relevant to the listeners. Some are probably not relevant. I would guess that buy-in is relevant to everybody in this profession. How do you get buy-in from managers? And then let's talk about how you get buy-in from employees. Yeah, that's 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 awesome question. And so I'm throwing that out, man, and now yeah, I'm going to shut yeah. up. Yeah, so, you know, we talked, it, you know, I used to teach school, and then and then I started working in industry as, uh, as a chem lab tech, doing mm. all the water and air analysis and oh, that yeah. kind of stuff for all the safety and environmental guys. And and I realized that they got to go to really cool places like Chinook, Kansas, and Winoka, <laughs> Oklahoma. You know, hey, what's not to love, love about absolutely. having a free trip to Winoka, Oklahoma? Uh, anyway, so uh, that was kind of uh, my career progression was, uh, you know, go from the lab tech and doing the test to doing the guy asking for the test. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, it was it was interesting because the, the, I have no education in, in safety at that point. You know, I, I, I right. knew kind of what 29 CFR was and 40 mm-hmm. CFR and 49 what you, CFR. What did you teach what, 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 in school? I or? taught, uh, I was the science, science. department. Okay, well, so yeah. there, there's some correlation there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, Makes no sense. Doubt, no doubt. Um, but but they, um, the training that I got was, okay, you're, the, you're, you're our new safety and environmental engineer. Here's 29 CFR. Mm-hmm. You're the safety guy. Tell us what to do. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. wow. You know. So I remember yeah. the the first the weighty volume. Yeah. Yeah. The big thick one. <laughs> the like big that. Thick you had to go through and highlight everything mm-hmm. and you know all that kind of thing. But um, I remember the first the first standard that I read and wrote a procedure on was walking and working surfaces. Oh yeah. Real easy. You know, math. You do you know geometry. Right. Calculate the angles. All those kind of things. So or it was really uh, uh, really appropriate for me. But but uh, what I found out quickly was. Um, you just can't tell people what to do, yeah. you know, and expect them to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you can, but, but um, I usually try to get a, a, a quadrant, you know, over the year and the, over the years. And it's like, want to, don't want to have to, don't have to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And if they have to do it and they don't want to do it, they'll, they'll probably do it. You know, uh, if they want to do it and they have to do it, that's, that's good too. We really want everybody mm-hmm. to want to do it, but if they don't want to do it, and they don't have to do it. They're not going to do it, right? That's absolutely per- yeah. You're right, right. Right. So, so what what I learned over the years with that was um, one: don't be the target, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I go when I go into a site and become the new you know SHE person, 
typically I'd meet with the, with the staff and explain to them that, hey, this isn't Bryce's program. We're going to sink and swim together. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, if, if we're successful, we're going to be successful together. If we fail, we're going to fail together, mm-hmm. but we're going to do this all, all together. Right. right. Uh, so it's really just not, not, uh, not really be the target, you know, with that and, and be, come alongside and be a partner. You have to really kind of show them the value mm-hmm. of what it is that you're asking them to do. Why do you want them to do it? Whether it's increased productivity, less outrate, uh, employee satisfaction, you know, mm-hmm. all those things that come into effect or come into play when you're, when you're doing the, um, uh, the, the safety aspect of it. But, but over the years I've, I've worked in five different locations, mm-hmm. uh, had the, uh, great pleasure of failing miserably at certain things, of learning course. from those and moving to the next, to the next opportunity oh, and yeah. then saying, Hey, that didn't work. Maybe this will work better over mm-hmm. here. Um, so, so this is kind of where I, I kind of landed at was, uh, again, partnering with the management team, mm-hmm. uh, but really uh, connecting with the, the plant safety manager or the plant mm-hmm. manager. Yeah. You know, getting yeah. them uh, on board. And then if there's something that I wanted to do, let's say I wanted to paint forklifts pink, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I would go first and start with the, the plant manager and get him on board or her on board yeah. as to why it is that we want a need to do those things. Right. And then once uh, once I get the plant manager on board, because if I don't have the plant manager on board, it's it's going nowhere. Right? That's a good point. Yeah. So I get I get the plant manager on board, and then um, uh, one of the one of the ways that I would typically do it was I would meet with the staff uh, during our weekly staff meeting and say, "Hey, not looking for any feedback, but I'm this is what I'm thinking about doing. I'm thinking we need to paint the lift trucks pink, but don't really want any feedback from you yet. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you that's." kind of where I'm thinking, try to plant that mm-hmm. seed a little bit and explain, you mm-hmm. know, briefly why it is that we need to do what we're, we're asking them to do. Uh, but, but then I would leave that meeting and spend time with each manager one-on-one explaining to them what's the value in painting mm-hmm. lift trucks pink mm-hmm. or whatever it is we're asking them to do. And, and then they, they get the opportunity to give me some feedback and say, yeah. hey, I think they should be blue. I think they should be whatever it is. And, and, and we kind of hash it out and iron it out one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And then I go to the next manager and the next manager and kind of get this all pulled together, get everybody on board. So the next time we have a staff meeting, I know everybody's on board. Okay. Right? I don't have to go in there uh, like I did as a young pup, mm-hmm. go in there and say, whatever it is that I was asking them to do. And then it becomes a feeding frenzy on the safety guy. Yeah. You know? And, and, and so, so that's interesting because um, at, that's not how most people do it. They, they typically just force feed people, these things I know. And I failed at that myself. And uh, I swore I wasn't going to talk, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give you a little anecdote. I'm, I'm a, just a, an abject failure at not speaking. <laughs> but so when I worked for OSHA, I had a boss you probably knew him. I'm not going to mention his name. It's not important to the story, but people who know who I used to work for know who my boss was. And we did not have a real good relationship. We had kind of a love-hate relationship. And I went in one time when I was the compliance assistance person with an idea for like an outreach program. And I pitched this outreach program. Here's what we need to do. And he looked at me and he was like, well, why would I do that? And I was like, well, you know, it's, in my opinion, it's the right thing to do. And he said, I don't get a, give a shit what the right thing to do is. What's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And I looked at him like, what an asshole, you know? I mean, the right thing to do, damn it, you know? And uh, 
after the you know after the years kind of went by and I've looked back on those things, I thought, you know, that was an important lesson that I was missing. I was a little bit naive that doing things because it was the right thing to do was enough of a motivator. But that was my opinion, you know, and I wasn't looking at why it would be important to him. Right. And so even though I didn't love the message, in retrospect, I understand the message. What's in it for me? You know, when you're selling these things to these managers, it's probably not about it's the right thing to do. It's like, why? Why would I be interested in this? And I had just totally missed that. And that was a lesson that I had to learn, unfortunately. And uh, I used to badmouth this guy a lot. And I still would. I mean, if we encountered each other, I'd probably still knock him on his ass. But the point is, um, I learned a lesson from him, you know. I think you have to sell why it's important to them, not why it's important to you. Right. Yeah. It, it's about making it personal, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, yeah. that, that, that's kind of where I've, I've kind of learned over the years. I, I didn't really choose safety as a career. Really. Mm-hmm. Just kinda, I didn't either. I just kind of, that's the direction I went. Oh, that makes sense. And yeah. you get to go to cool places like Waynoka mm-hmm. and, and those kind <laughs> right. of things. But, but in retrospect, thinking back on it, and I know I've shared this with you before, but but uh, I was a child of a dad that was disabled at a, from a work-related accident. Mm-hmm. And, and I, can, I can personally share that story with people as to why safety is important to me. Because I don't want to see, uh, first of all, I don't want to see the person get hurt. Of course. But I don't want to see all, there, there's just dominoes that happen, you know, with the kids and the family and mm-hmm. their neighbors and, and their church and, and whatever organization they're, they're a part of that it impacts everybody there mm. and, and how, what a big impact, um, you know, my dad's accident had on, yeah. on me yeah. and how, how I look at, uh, you know, work related injuries and, uh, people that get hurt and, and, and I'm, uh, you know, taken on a personal level yeah. as to not only, well, great, you know, we got another OSHA recordable, you know, the, the, it's, it's more than that. It's more it about, uh, hey, this is a person, they've got a family at home, they're trying to provide for them. How do we make sure that that doesn't happen to them? Well, that's big, man. Yeah. And that is a little different. Yeah. Not everybody has that insight. Yeah, and, and I think everybody's got, everybody's got a story. Mm-hmm. you got to figure out how do you make safety uh, personal and relatable versus mm-hmm. 29 CFR says you right. must do blah, blah, blah. I know, man. That, yeah. that, that just doesn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Force feeding people, forcing people. You have sons. We talk about this a lot. And, yeah. and you know, as fa- being fathers and raising our sons. And I'm sure much like you, my boys are, like, bigger and stronger and tougher than me now. And so demanding things of them isn't quite as good a strategy. Right. You know, right. you almost have to, like you said, you have to relate it to them, just kind of explain the why, kind of coax them and almost lead them down the path rather than... Right pound them with it. Right. I, I, I don't know who, who said this to me first time, but they, they talk about head, heart, hands, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, you put the information into their head, whether it's a kid or somebody mm-hmm. at work mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but if they don't believe it in their heart that it's the right thing to do or what they should be doing, then their hands aren't going to do it, mm-hmm. right? Interesting. So even though I, I explained right to them hands. about uh, lockout, tagout, this is why you need to do lockout, tagout, um, or you have to do lockout, tagout. That's giving information into the head, but you got to you yeah. got to somehow or another relate it to the heart. They call it the, you know the twelve inch drop mm-hmm. from the head to the heart. I love that. How do man. you get to that twelve inch drop to get them to really? 
believe I love that. that it's the right thing to do so that mm-hmm. their hands will do it. Because if you can't get it in the heart, then typically mm-hmm. their hands aren't going to do it. And that's where it comes back to the want to, don't want to, have to, don't have right. to. You know, right. you, and you, you, you employ that same to. strategy then with managers and employees when you're yeah, trying to sell sure, these things? Certainly. So, so even an effective safety manager, in my opinion, you have to be able to play on all the levels. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to uh, work with the plant manager, with the managers, with the supervisors, uh, with the, the, the hourly folks that are out on the floor. You got to explain to them why it's important mm-hmm. that they're doing what they're doing. And, and sometimes it's a matter of, well, you don't want to get hurt, but, but if you know them, you say, Hey, I know your kids at home. Right. Uh, how, how would it be if, you know, you couldn't go to their, dance recital or right. or whatever it is, or you couldn't uh, play with them anymore because you're missing a, a finger, yeah. a hand, or, or whatever. You know? are, are you able to develop those kind of personal relationships? I mean, because you're, you're kind of a, like a corporate safety wonk now. Well, I am you used now, to be an yeah, actual working yeah, guy. Yeah, the majority of my career has been at the plant level. Right. And, and, right. and that's where it's really important to build that. There's really a lot about trust and integrity too, right? Exactly. If you don't know the answer... Say, I don't know, you right. know, because if you, I, I've seen colleagues before where they'll, uh, they'll just shoot from the hip. They may not know the answer and they'll shoot from the hip and you just sit there and shake your head because, <laughs> because the people are smart. Yeah. They know that they're just shooting from the hip and they don't right. know it. And, and oftentimes somebody will lob one out there hoping they bite, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they shoot from the hip and say something that they don't know what they're doing. That's, that's and, hilarious. Yeah. I yeah. see that too. The, the OSHA guys used to do that. And I was like. Oh, dude, you're just digging yourself a big hole here. Just let them know you don't know the answer to that. Yeah, it's okay. I, I think that's all part of about uh, the integrity part is being mm-hmm. able to say, "I don't know, but but I'll find out and get back to you." Or or hey, let's let's work on this together. Or hey, can you show me? Because obviously, I don't know your operation mm-hmm. like you do. Right. So so this is a great point, man. So as a the safety the facility safety person. If you are trying to sell something to a manager, the plant manager or the, you know, the supervisors, the lead people, you have to, I mean, I have this cry wolf thing, you know, if you're constantly going and saying, we have to do this, we have to do this, but you have not gained their trust or earned their trust, it probably falls on deaf ears. So there is a, an element of buying or gaining their trust before they will start to go down this journey with you, right, I would assume. Right. Yeah, I always, I always called it press the palms. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to go mm-hmm. around and press the palms. Yeah. You know, you got to shake their hand. Who are you? Tell me about you. You got to learn about them. And, and one of the best things I ever did at the, the last plant level job I had was uh, I went to, we, we met in the cafeteria as a management team. Every day we had lunch together. Oh, really? And we didn't talk about work. We talked about, you know, our kids, hunting, fishing, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it was. So, so you're building that relationship with them, mm-hmm. uh, which builds that trust because they know you're a genuine person. You're just not this guy coming in, hammering them with the OSHA reg saying, you must do this. Right. You know, they understand I, where I really you're coming from. I really like that idea, man. That's great. Yeah. That's smart because it is, um, I think you have to earn that with these managers before you start telling them, well, the, the, you know, the regulations say we have to do this or you know, Jim Steele was on last week with me, and we were talking about kind of how, how people get things out of sequence sometimes, you know. Let's figure out a way to do things safely and then gauge how compliant we are and maybe tweak it a little bit rather than let's be compliant and then 
you know, try to retrofit safety into that. I, mm-hmm. I think that's a ba- that's kind of an out of sequence approach sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I'm no different really when when it comes to building those relationships either. I, if I don't know the person, do I really trust them? Right. There's no reason for me not to trust them, but there's always that, you know, in the back of your mind saying, well, maybe they've got an ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but uh, again, building those trusts, um, and then. And then they come back to you, and they and they they know that they can ask you questions. There's that um, that trust factor where I can tell you what I think without mm-hmm. the fear of some kind of reprisal. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there's that uh, personal relationship that I have with them. Yeah, and, and it, it's no different uh, with the hourly folks. Um, sometimes that's a struggle too, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I can't spend as much time as I want to Certainly. with them on the floor. But but you start building your ambassadors out there in the plant. And so then when your name comes up, hopefully they're saying, no, no, he, he's, he's a good guy. He's okay. his, his heart's in the right place. Yeah. You know, he wants, and we can go back to him and say, Hey, we don't agree with this and come back without fear of, of being, you know, you're an idiot. Just go back to work and do what I tell you to do. I love that too, man. I don't usually write stuff down because I typically am thinking about my grocery list when people are talking, but well, it's hard to write when you're talking. <laughs> well, there is that, right, exactly. <laughs> and chew or drink coffee. Yeah, Definitely yeah. a mess at the end yeah. of every one of these, but yeah. building ambassadors is a great comment um, out in the workforce. I mean, as you said, you can't touch everybody right. necessarily unless right. you just have the luxury of a very small labor pool or a workforce or something, but you can build ambassadors. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the ambassador is the one that's the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh, Right. Explain that. So, so oftentimes when I would form a team, you know, whatever we're going to do, let's, let's just do lockout, tag out or whatever mm-hmm. for, for an area. I want on my team, I want the guy, the girl that's the most opposed to it. That's the hardest one to crack. I want them on the team so that we can, we can work together on this and understand what are your, what are your concerns? What are my concerns? And we can come together because if I don't have that person on the team, the minute we try to, to, to move the needle or, or implement something new, they're going to fight you on it the whole way. Mm-hmm. I want them as an ambassador. I want to I tackle that head on, uh, put them in the committee, put them on the team so that we can, we can work on it together. Dude, I love that. That might be the take-home message. You know, that might be when I write my book of all of these, that might be the nugget. Yeah. You know, I think that is really important. And most people avoid that because they know there's going to be some co- conflict. Yeah. I, I remember it, what it reminded me of was the first time I did uh, training. You know, so again, here, you're the safety guy. Tell us what to do. Oh, first thing I got to do is HASCOM training. You know, mm-hmm. you know, just stab me with a knife and make me do <laughs> right. it. You know, how exciting yes. can it be? This Brutal. is a, at the time MSDS, you know, and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so I, I put together what I believe was. Uh, an award-winning HASCOM training presentation, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a third shift group. <laughs> right. And so I'm in a conference room with them and, you know, they're sitting around their supervisors there and, and I, and I put on this award-winning presentation, you know, never before seen love mm-hmm. you know, I'm waiting for the standard a- standing award. ovation, you know, and, and uh, I said, are there any questions? And, you know, the guy raised his hands. He says, you're in here talking to me about safety data sheets and labeling containers and all this crap. But we're out there freezing our butts off because the heat doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, how do you respond to that, you know, <laughs> as, as a new guy, not knowing right. any of that stuff? And, then, and right. then he says, well, you're part of management. Well, I didn't see myself as part of management. So I said, right. well, I'm not part of management. Well, I, I was part of management, mm-hmm. you know. 
And so it, 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 that's when I started realizing, in my, my opinion, was I want that guy on my team, yes. not in the audience, hammering me up. Tearing me group. down, yeah, right. exactly. I want to I tackle this thing head on, not in front of an audience. Yes. You know. Man, that is so good. That is really good. And I love your point because I've done the same training. I've done like what I thought certainly qualified for an Emmy Award consideration training mm-hmm. only to be just completely undermined because of something like that that may have been totally unrelated but was on the minds of everybody in the room. Sure, sure. You know, yeah. those, oh, that is really good. Yeah, you'll find out in a hurry, right, if you're up in front of a group, what's important. Exactly. Yeah. That is so funny, man. But you're right. And, man, that's all they can think about because they're out there freezing their asses and, off. And, and I realize. I don't give a shit where the data sheets are kept. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I get it. You know, that, I totally that's get what, it. Too. That's what's important to them. And, and until you take care of what's important to them, they're not going to take care of what's important to you. i got to write this down too, man. Th- right. This is all really good. No, keep talking because I'm <laughs> writing. Um, I like that. Yeah, it, it is true. And uh, so you also have, and I'm, this is not a judgment, but your location is uh, organized, is it not? You have a union? Correct. So talk a little it's, bit about the challenges. It's the organization that, that I used to be affiliated yes, with. Okay. Now, now I'm not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, now as the corporate, I've guy. worked at a couple, a couple different. But talk a little shops. bit about the dynamic of that. I mean, again, now you have not management and employees to sell or at least convince or enlist, but you also have, you know, the union, um, and that I, I found that to be challenging in my time with OSHA because what the union wanted out of me as an OSHA person wasn't necessarily what I envisioned the mission to be. It was. Not always the same. Right, yeah. So my first exposure uh, to any kind of uh, um, organized workforce is when I, I moved to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And very organized state, yeah, right? Very organized, Big union very state. Very organized state. And, 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 you know, I grew up in south central Nebraska. Uh, I remember the uh, the days of the of the UAW strikes and, you know, my mm-hmm. the farmers around me are going, you know, we're getting pennies for a loaf of bread and these guys are wanting 20 bucks an hour or whatever it was that they wanted. So, so that was kind of my background mm-hmm. going into it. Uh, the, you know, almost, almost anti-union, you know, the, the farmers out there because they, they feel like they're getting a rough, a rough deal and, and the auto workers mm-hmm. are getting the easy street. That's kind of where yeah. they're at. So when I moved to, to Michigan, I, I, I started to learn about why, you know, why there is the organization, mm-hmm. you know, the sit down strike and, mm-hmm. and guys that I worked with up there in, uh, uh, Saginaw, Michigan were sharing with me that, that their fathers and grandfathers remember coming not to work, but to the parking lot and the supervisor, superintendent, whatever would come out and say, I need three guys. Right. And there's whatever, 20, hundred, whatever people out there wanting to come in and work. And, and it's like, okay, well, I, I have two chickens. I have, you know, my, my wife's pot of stew. They would bribe basically their way in mm-hmm. to work for the day, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I get why there's the organization there, you know, because uh, there was some really bad things that were yeah. going on at the time, yeah. you know, not letting them to go to the bathroom if they need to go to the bathroom and, right. and things like that. So, so I, I really learned to kind of appreciate the organization yeah. the way that it is. And, um, the you know, they can be honorary just like anybody else, you know, mm-hmm. just like managers can be honorary. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody else can be honorary. So, yeah. but, it, but for me, it came back to building that relationship again with the union leadership, mm-hmm. trying to bring them alongside, understand what their concerns were, but then also that safety is not negotiable. 
Yeah, it's not a negotiated thing for anybody. It's in the best interest of of the of the company, of the managers, of of the hourly workforce too. Right. That, that we want to make sure that they don't get hurt. Right. So, uh, trying to just carve out, you know, yeah, we've got the contract, we've got these other things that we're working with, but really, why is it that we're doing what we want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, it's because uh, we want to protect uh, the employees, their family, uh, their livelihood, all those kind of things. That's why we're doing what we're doing. The contract and the yeah. management versus union, that can all be, in my opinion, should all be set aside so that we can come together on safety and, and work together on it. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. You're, you're familiar with Paul O'Neill, the old Alcoa CEO, who, um, when he was hired to be the CEO of Alcoa Corporation, the Aluminum Company of America, he came into the basically the shareholders the board meeting and said that he was going to make Alcoa the safest company in the world, essentially, that was his goal. And everybody was looking at him like, how much money are we going to make? And he was all about safety. And he described, you know, why he took that approach as the same thing. This is non-negotiable. This is something that everybody should be on board with, management, labor, employees, everyone. And this is something that seems like we should all be able to be on the same side of. And so that was the approach he took when he first took over. And I completely agree with that. Um, it seems like something that nobody would be arguing over. I mean, there, there are little nitpicky right. things from time to time that we, you know, that we don't agree on is how to implement certain things. But the fact that it needed to be implemented was universally yeah, understood. Yeah. When I first started working, uh, well, Square D at the time, when I started working for Square D, Dave Petratus was the CEO North America. Mm-hmm. And he had the, you know, monthly, quarterly, whatever it was, simulcast, broadcast. And I didn't know who... Dave Petratus. I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. If you follow me, mm-hmm. and so he he started out his his every one of his talks after that. Every one of them, he started out with safety, and it wasn't just we're doing well, the numbers look good. Okay, let's talk about productivity. He was talking about why it's important for everybody to work safe. Why it was important to him personally. Things that happened to him over his career that impacted his life, seeing other people get hurt under his responsibility. Mm-hmm. Anyway. First time I heard him speak, I'm going back to the first time I heard him speak, he was talking about, uh, you know, Square D makes circuit breakers and things like that. Um, and he's, he was talking about how that is our livelihood. And he, and, and he said, safety will define us as a company. You know, that's really where he was at with it. Mm-hmm. And, and he explained why it was personal to him, but really safety. It's what we do. We build safety stuff, right? right. Keep houses from burning down and people right. from getting electrocuted and things like that. Mm-hmm. But really safety will define us as a company. It's like, I just, I wanted to hold the guy's hand, you know, when he's crossing the street to make sure he didn't get run over, you know, because <laughs> exactly. this, this is the guy that we want. And so uh, that helped yes. me too, you know, with, with influencing uh, the management team and mm-hmm. things like that because have, it's have coming you, from the top. Have you ever had to coach a plant manager down that path? I mean, have you ever had that circumstance where maybe the plant manager didn't get it like that or maybe just yeah, that's didn't express another, it? Yeah, another thing uh, that, that I learned over the years, you know, that, that uh, tackle that head on. Mm-hmm. And so um, you, you could talk to some of the previous plas- plant or the – some of the previous plant managers that I worked with and some that I didn't work with that were new, uh, usually the first thing I did is I went in and said, hey, uh, hi, welcome to wherever I'm at. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, my name is Bryce. I'm the you know safety and health manager here. Uh, let me explain to you what your role is in safety. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I would say, you may think that, that I'm driving safety. You may think that somebody else is driving safety. But you as the plant manager are the leader here. And whatever you do, everybody's going to follow. So if safety is not important to you, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you only do what your boss is asking you to of do. Of course. Right? And, and, and so I'd, ha- I'd have that. i just tackle it head on with it. Uh, I didn't have much of a pushback with that, but I did get the, you know, the deer in the headlights look a few mm-hmm. times like, who is this crazy guy and why is mm-hmm. he coming in here and telling me what, <laughs> what to do? What to do, right. You know? But, mm-hmm. but after we continued to build that relationship, they understood where I was coming from. But, again, I just kind of just dive right in and tackle that thing head on. I love it. You know, the, the way that goes. And, it, and then with that, um, getting – was talking about you only do what's important to your boss Mm -hmm. one of the things that that i was always adamant about didn't always wasn't successful at it but later on i was but but adamant that the manager needs to do the safety training for his people like the department manager or the cell manager whatever yeah yeah, whatever uh right so production manager Mm -hmm. engineering manager you know whatever department manager Mm -hmm. that they need to do that training because if it's me up there it's just a safety guy chirping Right. Right. Versus their boss or their boss's boss is up there saying, hey, uh, here's, you know, remember, lock out, tag out, use your locks, you know, authorize, you know, all the training that they right. do for that. Right. Uh, so they, they see it. They see their boss up there doing it. And now they can call their boss on it. Yeah. Right. Hey, yeah. Uh, what, what's going on? Well, you know, I had to lock this machine out or, or you, you know, you told me in that training that we need to be doing this. And, and so everybody is, is is starting to kind of sing from the same hymnal. Yeah. It's not they're getting one message from the manager and another message from the safety department. Right. I love that, too. It's all man. coming down through that, the organization. That is really critical. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen that, you know, having had the, um, the great pleasure of working with VPP companies while I was with OSHA in that, in that capacity as the compliance person, the compliance assistance person. There is such a, a dramatic difference in organizations that do it that way uh, rather than just oh, the safety guy takes care of safety. Right. You right. know, we've had that conversation. It's a safety thing. Give it to the safety guy. Right. right. Uh, it's, it typically is just a failure unless you have the most charismatic safety person. And other than the two of us. Oh, I'm, yeah. You who know, who I mean, is there? You know, who is there left, really? But, I mean, that's a big ask right. for a safety person to be, you know, technically skilled you know, have good communication skills, you know, be charismatic, be that leader, all of that kind of stuff. Wow, those are very few and far between people. So, And what what I was trying to do through the process was create more safety advocates. Yeah, these ambassadors that you were referring to. The ambassadors on there. And and if I get the the managers and the supervisors on board, and and it just, things just start to to roll in the right direction, you know. Yeah. Um, It's... one of my jobs, I was the only safety and environmental guy, um, 750,000 square foot facility, about 750 employees wow. over three shifts. Wow. Okay, so how, how do I do all the things that are required of a safety and environmental person and go out and do all the training for these folks? You know, when we got into some technical stuff, sure, I, I would be the one doing right. it. But the, 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 the annual, you know, typically you have your annual training list to have right. com, lockout, tag, yeah. those kind of things. Those are going to be rolled out, you know, by their manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, the technical stuff usually was rolled out by me. Mm-hmm. But getting them to kind of come alongside again and, and support me so that I could support them. Mm-hmm. You know? and, yeah. And, and, and so if, if there's an issue in their department, um, the manager owns it doesn't matter if it's producti- production, 
quality, safety, doesn't matter. It's their department. It's their people. Mm-hmm. They own it. I'm, I'm alongside of them to help, to guide, uh, to be uh, their, their resource mm-hmm. you know, for that. It's not a, a dumping ground. And, and the plant manager is there to make sure that they all understand how important this is. Right. Right. So, so the plant manager is holding his managers accountable for safety, quality, right. and productivity in their area. Right. One of the biggest early mistakes I made, okay, is uh, I put together this really cool half sheet. You know, they could really before the days of email and all this kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, we we precede yeah, we yeah, predate those yeah, things. Man. Yeah, we used to have these pads called AVO pads, avoid <laughs> verbal orders. You know, and you right. write. Anyway, I, I created this real quick little uh, like near miss accident. Just quick hit mm-hmm. form, you know, mm-hmm. department, who was it, what happened, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then they could just, they would, I filled it out, trained the supervisors on it, and they would fill it out and, you know, slide it under my door. So I'd come in in the morning, oh, here'd be a sheet of, half sheet of paper. Oh, okay. I'd go to the staff meeting and bring up, oh, hey, just to let you know there was a recordable injury, laceration, you know, whatever the incident was on this shift. And then all of a sudden, all the, all the, the lights and the guns swing to me, mm-hmm. right? Well, what are you going to do about that? And what's going on? Is the person back to work? And I was, oh, well, hey, time out. This is, this is all that I know right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I, I kind of felt there was something wrong, right, going mm-hmm. on. But then going forward, anytime I show up to the staff meeting, they're like, oh, great, Winland's here again. What bad news do you have for us today? Right? So, so remember I said I got to make mistakes, learn mm-hmm. from it. And mm-hmm. then, so then when I went to the next opportunity, mm-hmm. I, I went, okay, Fill out this sheet. Give it to your manager. Give me a copy. Right. So I would show up to the staff meeting and, and I would say, "Hey, Doug, I understand there was an accident in your department mm-hmm. last night. Can mm-hmm. you tell everybody about it?" Mm-hmm. You know, all the intention then goes to the manager yeah. where where it should be, right? Because right? they're they're responsible for their department. So so it was it was kind of a, a way of of coming again coming alongside them, but again allowing them to be responsible yeah. for what they're take ownership for. and right. accountability for those right. things. Right. I love that too, man. These are great because I, I have to be honest, I have a few clients that are struggling a little bit with this. And, you know, we've talked about that uh, as a consultant who visits a facility maybe once a month. Uh, I don't have a lot of ability. You know, I can, I can be out there recruiting am- ambassadorship and educating to some degree, but it is so dependent upon that you know, that arrangement that you described where these department heads or these leaders in the facility are driving these things. You know, I worked with a company uh, quite often when I was with OSHA, Kiwit, Kiwit Construction, um, and they had uh, evolved their safety program into something very similar where the superintendents, the job site superintendents basically drove the safety program. And the safety personnel, the staff, were there simply to resource the superintendents, give them what they needed. Mm -hmm. But they were the ones that were on site every day. They were the ones that controlled the project. They were the ones that did the training. They were the ones that, you know, invoked discipline when necessary or whatever. But it's, you know, it's not practical for a safety person who is not there all the time to really do that. I'll tell you, Doug, one of my favorite questions – you know, if you're a young safety professional out there and you want to uh, kind of challenge your managers out there is, you know, when you go to the next staff meeting, ask them, what have you personally done for safety today? Mm-hmm. Not that what you've delegated, mm-hmm. not what you've told somebody to do. What have you personally done for safety today? And, and, and you can just see the wheels start to spin and they're like, 
I haven't done anything. Right. You know, I you thought that see, was your. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's that's your job, not mine. You know, uh, and and. And so what I, what I try to impress upon them is that you, you really need to model the behavior you want to see. Mm-hmm. Without question. You know, and, and in every f- aspect and, of and, life. And, and there, there's a great example of, of that. When I was, uh, well, when my kids were younger and we lived in Michigan and uh, Josh, my middle son, mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, we were over at some friend's house and he comes out in the coffee table and he's got, you know, those little Home Depot saws and drills mm-hmm. and he's, you know, tearing up the coffee uh-huh. table, you know, with the toys. And he, and he stopped, ran to the other room, and you hear him digging through the toy box, and he comes out wearing a pair of goggles. And he gets nice. those tools out. Yeah. And, and it's an example that I use when I, when I, when I train the managers and people mm-hmm. out on the floor mm-hmm. is that I didn't tell him to go do that. How did he know how to do that? Mm-hmm. Because he Simply saw by dad. by watching you do right? that. He saw dad doing that. So, yeah. so if you want a certain behavior, you got to model that behavior to see it. Without question. You know, whether you're a manager or supervisor or, or a dad or whatever it is, mm-hmm. Uh, co-worker, right? Uh, you want to model that behavior that's just going to protect you and the people around you. Um, I always talk about uh, uh, what do we do with our new hires, right? How do we train our new hires? Well, we put them with a 30-year employee for a couple of weeks, right? That's typically how we do it. Mm-hmm. So so you can, you can put them with the guy so they can learn 30 years of bad habits in two weeks. Right, <laughs> right, right. They can eliminate all that right, learning time. Right. If, if you don't have the right person, I'm not saying it always happens that way, but, but the, everybody needs to model that behavior that you want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, whether, again, whether it's with your, and do I do it perfectly? Ask my well, kids. Of course not, man. Of course. <laughs> no, no, of I don't course. do it perfectly, but but I, but I do the best that I can. And and, yeah. and there's times where you have to have, you know, a confession and absolution. Hey, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I You're right. I've been walking by unsafe behaviors. I'm going to commit recommit to you. I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop and talk to you, but you need to call me on it too when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. you know, as a manager. Say, hey, you just walked by that guy over there. He wasn't wearing safety glasses. You didn't yeah. say anything about it. Yeah. So, uh, again, it's, it's about – for me, it comes down to family. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's me. It may be different to somebody else, but for me, I don't want to get I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to see somebody else get hurt because I don't I don't want to see that impact their family. Right. And you can expand that family into your coworkers and yes. people in your other organizations that you're a part of out there too. But uh, anything that you do is, is going to model whatever behavior you want to see. Right. You know, it's interesting. You may not want to see. Yeah, absolutely both. Um, and really. Uh, Maybe you could talk a little bit about recognize the importance of recognizing the behaviors that you want. I think safety oftentimes is perceived as the disciplined guy. You know, you come around the safety policeman approach where you bang on people for not doing the things that we've told them to do or asked them, told them to do in all likelihood. But how do you address the, the recognition piece? Is that important? Yeah, I, I... Yes and no. You know, sometimes uh, there, there's been uh, locations, not one of my locations. Well, one of my plant, let's just say, one of my plant managers came to me and said, hey, uh, I know this organization over here. Uh, this is what they're doing for an incentive. They, they park an F-150 pickup truck in the middle of the plant, and at the end of the year, anybody that hasn't gotten hurt gets their name put in a drawing, and they draw it out of a hat. That, that's going to, you know, drive the, the bloody pocket syndrome, right? Where they, they cut <laughs> right, their hand and they right. shove the it in their po- pocket and they walk out of the plant. Right. You know, so that, that's not, that's really not what you want to do when you're talking about incentives and recognition and those yeah. kinds of things. 
So to, to me, it's it's is is not only important to to correct behavior, but recognize the positive behaviors and mm-hmm. the things that people are doing uh, that you want them to do. Going to the to the manager and the supervisor, hey, I really appreciate you know that accident investigation that you did you know yesterday. I think you did a good job of doing these things. Here's some of the things that we need to be working on the next mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Let's make you know let's let's uh, pull together and, and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ag- again, recognizing. Um, both the positive and the negative yeah. with that, just not always being the, the, the safety cop. Right. You know? Well, I, I do think, you know, people get a little bit ridiculous with some of those incentive programs because working safely should be a condition of employment. It's not really, I mean, I don't, I'm not a big fan of, of uh, rewarding things that you should be doing, mm-hmm. you know, going above and beyond sometimes. I think, wow, maybe uh, on certain occasions those should be recognized and perhaps rewarded when somebody takes it upon themselves to do something that otherwise would not have been their responsibility. I hate that it's not my job thing. Right, you right, know? right. And so I like recognizing those things, but I'm not a huge fan of, you know, giving people rewards for doing what they're expected to do. Yeah, well, well remember the, the, well, it's probably still out there, sorry, but uh, uh, the, the I'm going to say it, the safety bingo game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no recordable accident today, pull a number out of the hat. Everybody's got a bingo card, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it it's not a huge thing, but it still can drive that behavior where people just aren't going to report yeah. because, by gosh, I was almost to, you know, four <laughs> corners and B-I-N-G. you got hurt, so now yeah. I missed out on my on my sandwich, you know, yeah. whatever it is that you're getting. Exactly. So so we were doing that for a while, and then, and then we kind of challenged ourselves and got challenged to come up with a new way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, as, as much as we fought it, it really was a great thing. Because mm-hmm. what we ended up doing was we had our, you know, our, our training topics that we did, and we wanted to understand, are people really retaining that knowledge? You know, hey, do you know where your fire extinguishers are? Do you know where your safety data sheets are? Do you know how to lock, lock out? Do you have your PPE? Those kind of things. So, so we came up with the 20-whatever questions to reinforce that, and once a week, the the, uh, the safety committee would go blast out on the floor with seven questions, and they would ask, "Hey, show me show me where the safety data sheets were." If they could, then okay, that's one number for next week. Hey, show me your 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 lockout tagout locks. If they had them and they they could explain it to you, hey, that's another number for next week. So seven questions, possibility for seven numbers for the next week for safety bingo, but it was a a checking for understanding mm-hmm. it was a uh, not so much hey you didn't get hurt we're going to pull it out yes you know? i love that and so it was it was a really great way to uh, to kind of uh, reinforce you know the training and it was the first time i did that um, it was interesting because people came up to me and and asked for the questions they want ahead yeah. of time. I Ask want to know me. the questions. Ask, oh, no, I want the oh, questions to, oh. so I can go find the answers uh-huh. so that if somebody asks me, I can answer the question properly. Gotcha. Right? So it's like a safety guy's dream, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> right what am exactly. I supposed to know here? <laughs> right, you know? exactly. Go, go, here's what you're supposed to know. And, and some of them are challenged. Well, you shouldn't let them know the questions. No, I want them to know the questions yes. so they know the answers. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't want to hide this information. No, right, right. I love yeah. that, man. Yeah, no secret. Oh, man, there is so much information in what you've talked about this morning. Um, I mentioned to you, my my goal someday is kind of the Tim Ferriss model. Tim Ferriss is an author and podcaster that I follow. And 
he basically comes up with very little on his own. He takes the insights of all of these incredibly bright and experienced people that he interviews and then compiles it all into a book of these little knowledge nuggets. And so I bet we've had at least a half dozen. That puts you in the top 10 <laughs> of my guests as far as actual usable information, mm-hmm. which is impressive. <laughs> so, no, man, but I mean, so many things that are important. I, I think we're running up on our time, but I hope we can do this again, man. It yeah, took sure. me took me two years to get you up here. Yeah, something like you that. You know, and I... We're both busy and it's difficult, but there's been so much. And we, we just barely scratched the surface of what we talked about a few days ago right, as far as right. topics. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to do this again. Do you have any, if you were, and I know you've done this many times, you've trained new safety people that have come into your organization or at some point. What, what you know, give me, give me a two minutes of advice you would give a new safety person. Yeah. So I, I've, I've kind of, I kind of already did that, but, but really for me, you, you can't be the safety program. Yeah. You know, it has to run whether you're there or not. Right. You know, and so building these uh, ambassadors, these advocates that, that will help you become, uh, become successful as a plant and as an, an organization. And, and, and really ultimately we, we don't want somebody to get hurt. You know, that's really where we want to be and, and, and challenge on that. And oftentimes when you're talking with your managers and your supervisors and that kind of thing, oftentimes my experience has been, I'm going to say 99%, I can't think of one, but 99% of the improvements that we've done there, the investments that we've made at the plant level have increased productivity. Of course. You know. Directly correlated. Right. And there's always that challenge. Well, what's in it for me? You know, that kind of thing. Well, you know, we, we don't want people to get hurt, but... Often the the majority of the time there's there's payback for that. So so as a young person, you need to be looking for those opportunities to sell that to the, your management team uh, as as an overall improvement, not something you got to do. Right, I love that. And I think once you once management has seen an example of that, they're going to be interested. It gains traction for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I and, love and that. then they and then they start to believe. Right. And then that's head, heart, hands thing. Right. They want to start getting their heart. Then they're going to start doing those things and bringing those ideas to you, bringing solutions to the table instead of dumping them on your on your desk. It's fantastic, man. Appreciate it, Bryce. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's good to have you up here. Uh, Let's do it again soon. Hopefully we'll continue on this. Eventually there will be some compensation for this. I don't know if I mentioned to you, there's no compensation. I don't even pay for your gas. Cam has to buy your coffee. You know, it's, uh, you know, Cam's not buying your coffee, damn it either, but really interesting stuff. And uh, I've always known you to be an excellent safety man, but come, you know, it's obvious that it comes from your heart. Uh, It's more than just, you know, I I mean, I think for most of us, it is more than just a job, right? It becomes a kind of a, a mission of some sort, you know, an obsession to some degree. Like you, I didn't plan on being a safety guy, but in retrospect, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and, and I didn't share this either, but on a personal level, um, people might find this interesting, but uh, when I was a site SH&E person, I was praying for my people every day. Yeah. You know, because it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a dangerous world out there, right? It is. There's places that you can get hurt. And it really, it really changed you. So it was always, you know, praying, hoping, mm-hmm. praying that the, mm-hmm. that they didn't get injured and, and uh, their families didn't get impacted with it. So and that that you were doing the right things, right, that you weren't absolutely. missing things. Right. You know, absolutely. one of my greatest fears has always been that I miss something that 
leads to an injury yeah, or something. And you're going to miss something. Right? And, if, and I do every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, but keep, keep fighting the good fight. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, thanks everybody. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Hoda Media Production.